It's fun to see you on Zoom, Kikau, because I finally got to see you in person for the first time in three years this last week. <laughs> oh my gosh, how amazing was that? It was just, a really good conference. Just yeah. to see each other, just to see yeah. each other. I thought, oh, that for was sure. Really great. For sure. And we probably should have, if we hadn't been so busy, done some recording in person. But like, those were three exhausting days, uh, yeah. I think for everybody, but especially for somebody like you who was making all the wheels turn and, and making sure everything was going. How do you feel as the person who coordinated that conference, the first in-person conference in three years, how did you feel about it? I, I honestly felt proud, um, uh, excited that it was happening. You know, you sort of... Um, you can look at it at putting a conference together in a lot of different ways from, from scheduling um, to, to space and time. Are we in the right space at the right time to um, uh, catering, right? Like everyone's <laughs> enjoying uh, the 12 o'clock session, but I'm sitting there going, is catering going to be delivered and how will that happen? Right? So you, you, when you're on this side of the table um, you do look at conferences in a, a, a different way but I, I had a wonderful time super proud um, and really felt energized by the conference and by the attendees and by New York in general um, for, for those of you who are listening and and um, or who have been avid listeners the conference this year was in New York City at Open Jar Studios which is um, on 48th and and Broadway and uh, really right at at Broadway's um, footsteps and uh, really awesome. I mean, that was amazing too. Like uh, the location, I hope we do always do it there or someplace like it because it, when we're in New York, because I mean, literally the next door over, they were rehearsing Bad Cinderella. Like I had somebody tell me they rode in the elevator with Carolee Carmelo on her way to rehearsal. Like that was so cool. I, I, I told Alan Menken where the bathroom was. Did I tell you? I told you that, right? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I was standing in the hallway and Alan Menken comes walking by. I don't know what the hell he was doing there. And he walked up. There was like, I don't know if you recall, there was like one bathroom. And then around the corner, there was like a like actual bathrooms. And he stood at the door where the one bathroom was. And he was like, oh, no, I guess there's a line. And I said, actually, if you just walk around the corner now, if in retrospect, I wish I had said, if you go just around the river bend, um, oh. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but I told him where the men the, the men's room was. So. Um, so that good. was my one of my favorite parts. Yeah, I mean, it was and and being there in Midtown, like what it did was when we had these late days, it it the travel because when we were up at NYU in New York City, you'd have to take the subway down if you're going to see a show or something that night, or you'd have to miss a presentation at the end of the day. And it just it, we were right there in the middle of everything. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that it's what made it possible for Katie Garrity and and Jay uh, mm -hmm. Jay Harrison to to come and speak to us on two show days. Um, right. So which they both did. Um, but yeah, it's su I, super convenient. And I will say just to, to like paint the picture, this was a part of a larger progression, right? The first year that we did a virtual version, um, everyone uh, in 2021 was trying to see how to, we were going to do it, how to figure it out. Um, and to be clear, 2020 was in San Diego. So 2021, here's us doing a, a, a Zoom version, maybe with some cameras. 
the following year, we turned Open Jar Studios into a, a, a TV studio, a filming studio, where we had um, guests like Michael R. Jackson and um, um, and others come to Open Jar, and we interviewed them there, and that was you know put out into the world in real time. So we knew that the small group of people that were in New York in 2021, uh, oh my gosh, 2022, um, knew that this was the place to do it. Like it was a little like uh, a little stepping stone. This is when we are able to be in person, we absolutely should do it here because all of us were able to just quickly go to Broadway shows right after. And the guests that we were having come to visit us were um, amazing and, and able to just walk there, right? Which was, which was a fun part of it. Totally. And um, I, I mean, kudos to you and your team. You really did put together a great three days. They were long. They were long days. Um, but uh, but man, oh, man, was that great. And a lot of new faces at the conference, which was really cool. Um, people, people that I had met virtually, but never in person, but then also just new to the organization. And the energy was ripe. I mean, people, that's one of the best things about that conference. It's not just about sharing information, but about being excited to share with one another and learn from one another. And um, so I did want to ask with, with all of the logistic management that you had to do, were you able to get something as a participant? I know that you were saying, you were saying, I was thinking about uh, whether or not lunch was going to show up, but like, were you, were you still able to soak up nuggets and, and, and were there moments of, of teaching inspiration for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I gave myself the, um, you know, I'm friends with Jay Harris and G I know, um, I've known them for many years and I gave myself the task of interviewing him, um, in the moment. And, and, uh, uh, so that was wonderful to kind of sit inside of that. That was one of the big things that I, I wanted to, to be a part of, learned a lot of things um, from them and, um, and then was able to take in little bits over the course of the three days. Um, uh, the, the theme of the entire event as we've spoken about in the past is Generation MT, um, Generation MT colon moving the line. And, uh, the idea of discovering, discovering elements of musical theater and teaching musical theater that might already be there that we're just uncovering, like we're archaeologists or um, things, elements of uh, the industry or of academia that like are brand new, brand new to people. And um, I felt like I had little nuggets throughout that entire time. Um, the, if, just to give some um, structure that there's day one, there's day two, and then day three, we were able to split off into three different areas, um, singing, or I should say voice, uh, dance, and then we premiered with your great help, the acting area. And I thought that that day, uh, from a logistical point of view, was nerve wracking. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's three spaces and there's two media carts and we're figuring it out. Um, but from a filling my cup view, uh, so many little things that I was like, oh my gosh, I, I've never even thought about this, never heard about this, and I'm super jazzed about it. Uh, what about you? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I I had a presentation or a speech or something each day, which, um, you know, I, I entered the space on the very first day really anxious for a variety of reasons. I think I was just overwhelmed with all of the 
components of the experience. I mean, I, it kicked off with me giving a speech kind of like welcome, but also this is the end of, you know, this executive committee's term here is the state of the organization. And that's, those were those, it felt like really high stakes for me. So that, that in addition to which we've talked about on this, this podcast, you know, my, uh, I'm an introvert with extrovert needs. So like I, I walked in really socially anxious. I had been in a space like that in a really long time, but once that first speech was done, um, it was such a, 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 a um, weight off my shoulders for some reason. I was feeling a lot about that. I think partially because as the president and and you know this as vice president the uh, of this executive committee it's been a really long 3 years. We've been through a lot um and anytime you end a chapter of your life I have a hard time not a hard time. I am challenged emotionally to sort of, you know, grieve it and move on and um, I'm really excited about the new executive committee. I think that uh, Elisa is incredible and she's assembled an, a great team. But there was definitely some some weight from that uh, and that turning of the page that was emotional for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, but then again, like I said, every day I had something on the, and which you know all about too. I mean, I gave that speech, but then I had a presentation about community agreements on that first day. On the second day, I had two undergraduate students come and present. And while they were the presenters, they asked me to do a little bit of a long introduction to talk about what, you know, to really set the stage for them, which felt like a lot. Um, and then on day three, uh, well, I, like you said, I, I helped coordinate the acting sequence that day, but then I also interviewed the two casting Broadway casting directors that we had. So, you know, it, like you, it was hard for me sometimes to uh, balance the presentation, the givings uh, and the takings, but I definitely got a lot out of it. If nothing else, just being together. But it was far more than that. I thought uh, there were a lot of little nuggets and a lot of um, a lot of moments that resonated with me for a variety of of reasons. Um, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were. On, were you able to sit in on the casting director conversation? I was. Yes, I was. I thought that was amazing. It was wonderful, and um, there seems to be something with casting directors. This is true, whether it's at a conference or not, that like, I find they unlock something, right? We're learning something about these folks sit behind the table or, or sit at a computer watching hours and hours and hours of, um, of video of performances. And most of those performances are our students or former students or alums. So like, I find that when a casting director is speaking, I'm like, my ears open in a different kind of way. Like, give me the details, because this is the kind of information that I'm relaying to students sometimes in real time. Like, we we have a, a cohort, a group of folks at University of the Arts um, in this process, then we'll be doing a live in person, but also recorded uh, showcase in March. So, right. uh, you know, we're we, this is all happening right now. And I just want to make sure that we were um, in line with best practices and and hearing what is happening with them. I a lot of what they were saying really resonated with me. 
Yeah, I really appreciated what they talked about with regards to showcase. I thought that was particularly impactful um, because post, I mean, even pre-COVID, there were a lot of conversations about, should we be doing this? What should we, what is necessary? What's not necessary? COVID has made everything else put uh, even more like up in the air. Like, do we just do a, a virtual showcase? Do we not? I mean, it was, uh, I thought that part was great. I thought it was interesting to hear them talk about type uh, because that's been something that we as educators have been talking a lot about. They had a, a different insight and perspective on that word and what it means and what it's evolving to mean. I thought that was great, but that was a that was one of my my favorite sequences of uh, of the three days. I thought that was really cool that that worked out. And then the cast of seventeen seventy members of the cast of seventeen seventy six. That was interesting. Um, would it any takeaways from that one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so as of this recording, that show is now closed and will be touring the world. So just a little plug to to check your local listings and and um, get your yourself to see it if you are able to. Um, but yeah, really interesting conversations about um, about casting, about um, acting in general, about um, the um, trauma that some have experienced in regards to um their experiences in school and their identities and um both as uh uh bipoc folk or as um various gender identities or um yeah. and, and i'm just sort of setting that stage of like it was not just one conversation it was lots of um intersectionality um in musical theater that that is a hot button topic, but interesting to hear it, um, it once again in real time. In in uh, they came to, to be a part of our uh, panel, and then we're going to do the show for what would be the the fifth of the eighth time for that week, right? So right. it's just all very cool, very interesting. But um, yeah, lots of interesting conversation. The one spark point I think that we heard um, was we had a a group of folks that were coming from Guam who were just asking about um, uh, what the thought of, was or what, what they should do in regards to portraying various races. Um, but in Guam, there is a limited kind of um, pool with which they're casting from. So it's just, I'm once again, we're not answering that even here in this podcast but that is a complicated conversation it's like yeah. yes you are in a situation where you might not be able to do a traditional production of hairspray um in the way that it is maybe intended to be cast but your situation is is actually similar to to what it is like in denmark to what it is like in um some of these other spaces where maybe the same um um, kind of casting I issues that we have in uh, the United States would would be seen in a different way. And how has, as the coordinator of the event, how what kind of feedback have you been getting? Yeah, um, so we have followed up with the event with a um, with a some sort of Google form where people can respond about their experience, um, and so that that form is out and we are waiting to get more information back. Uh, but the general feeling that I've gotten for me personally has just been a positive 
situation. Positive in that um, it was nice to just be in a space together, positive in the, um, the format of the event. Um, there were lots of, wow, that was a long day um, responses, uh, you know, and for us, we, we had planned to do this entire day and then maybe take a second and then go and see Broadway shows, right? So we mm -hmm. saw, I saw Anne Juliet with um, you and your wife and my husband and, um, and, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Kimberly Akimbo the following mm -hmm. day. And then for me, some like it hot, uh, was the third and final offering. And what other shows did you see? Well, hold on. I want to hear what you thought about those shows before we move on. I oh, also saw I, all three of those. Yeah, I um, really enjoyed all of them. I, I love actually, because um, we have friends, I'm, we're, I'm currently filming this in uh, Maine as we speak. And we have friends and they were like, oh, well, which one do we see? And I thought, oh, that's interesting because I think I would recommend with my full heart, all three for different mm. reasons. Like I would say, you know, if you were looking for um, a big Broadway moment, I would say go see some like it hot, like it's really, you know, kind of has that. If you are looking for and, um, you know, you're familiar with the songs of Max Martin and are fans of Britney Spears, Katy Perry, Celine Dion, Backstreet Boys, go see Anne Juliet, like, oh my gosh, that show's so fun. And um, I have to say that I was most emotionally impacted by Kimberly Akimbo, where yeah. this small play with beautiful music kind of un unfolded and kind of cracked open something that I think I was speaking uh, for myself personally. So literally recommend all three. If, you, if I had to pick like what show I would want to see again today, I think it would be Kimberly Akimbo. So tell me a little bit, because you and I both saw that show. We had slightly different points of view. Um, you were really moved by it. I went in hoping to be moved by it, but wasn't really moved by it. What? What? Can, I mean, are you willing to dig into what that experience was and and what it cracked open for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, so maybe. I, so it's fun that we're laying the foundation of planning this conference because I, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of time, a lot of energy. And I actually even said to someone earlier in the day, I was like, I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like I need to cry. Like, and as I was even saying that there were some tears in my eyes, I'm like, I'm not sure what it is. So I don't know. There was something about the vulnerabilities of the idea of being othered that the lead character feels the, um, the sweet sentimentality of the supporting characters. Like they literally just have these, um, hopes and dreams and you and they're so innocent and so sweet and it just tapped into that for me it was like yeah like I used to have hopes and dreams too um, <laughs> you know uh it it was just so so sweet I actually um Derek my husband absolutely said this and I and we, we were laughing about it afterwards Janine Tesori is the only composer that will write an up-tempo and it will make me cry. Like mm. there's something about the form and formatting and, and lyric choice that is like, ah, uh, all of that lined up and I'm having this moment. And mm. um, so yeah, once again, this is a, feels a little spoiler alerty because someone might go there and have a completely different subjective experience and not cry at all. So there's not like a asterisk that says you will cry. It's just, um, we went into all three of shows with with zero expectations. Like yeah. 
literally no idea did not watch any um youtube footage or listened to anything um so it is even with that space i had the purest of heart and ears to listen to but but what about you what what resonated with you so i i think part of my experience with kimberly akimbo i didn't know anything about it except that it was supposed to make me emotional. Like I went in feeling like, okay, this show is going to wreck me. And then it didn't wreck me. I just, you know, I didn't dislike it. It just didn't crack open what it had cracked open for you. Um, I, I liked it and I kind of actually want to work on it at some point. I do think that there, the material is interesting. Um, I, uh, the, when we went to see Anne Juliet, that was the, sh- one of the two shows that I saw this trip that I just adored. I just adored. It knows exactly what it is. Um, it's not trying to be anything more, not trying to be anything less. I've, in fact, I think it's everything that Moulin Rouge was attempting to be, except from my vantage point, better, uh, Moulin Rouge kind of knows, well, it knows it's a jukebox musical, um, but it almost does it with a wink and a nod, which left me feeling empty when I saw it, especially as somebody who loves the movie so much and is deeply impacted by the film. It, 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 it left me feeling hollow. I didn't see that this trip. I'd saw it over the summer. This, uh, one, however, it, it's a jukebox musical. It's a little fun and tongue, tongue in cheek, but you know, when the characters were having moments of deep and profound, emotion they were in it like they there was no wink and a nod when um when Juliet was saying hit me baby one more time after Romeo had died like it was she was she was in it and I thought the vocals were great I thought I loved how inclusive it was and diverse it was and um that was the one that literally as I was watching I've already said this to you offline but like as I was watching it I was like I can't wait to see this again this is just everything that I need in a musical right now um and uh and so that was that was really great take me out I enjoyed I you know I don't know what to do with my feelings about that show I um Initially, I had said I wasn't going to see it because of the the trope of a man in a dress for a laugh was something that I didn't want to support. Then I saw members of the trans community, non-binary community say it was actually really empowering for them. So then I went and bought a ticket. But then I heard after I bought a ticket, members of the trans community say, no, I feel like this is harmful. And so I regretted buying a ticket. And then I saw your interview with Jay, who was literally saying, you know, um, drag is my ministry and, and talk about how fulfilling the project was for them. And then I was glad I was going to see it. And, um, and so I walked in not knowing what to do, um, and left kind of not knowing what to do. Like, I feel like that show is tricking an older audience into having a really good time, but then challenging them to think about gender identity and gender diversity. And, and I think that's probably a really good thing, but the fact that there are members of the trans community that are hurt by that show, I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do. And and so I'm speaking very authentically here when I'm like, I want to support the members of the trans community that say that it was fulfilling for them. But I also don't want to support something that members of the trans community find hurtful. So like, um, I don't know. What, what, were, what were your takeaways for that one? Just just to clarify, because you did start that sentence with take me out, but you meant some like it hot. 
Oh yeah, sorry. I was uh, I've take me out of my brain because it's the other one that was moving to me. Yeah, yeah. I was talking about some like it hot. Hopefully, people followed along with that when I missed. Yeah, no. I you I think with the context clues, but just to say, um, yeah, I I understand the potential controversy and see that um, like in terms of that score, it was so lush. It was so Hmm. there's something about it specific contribution to like um what i would put in the category of like traditional musical theater it's like we just don't have that we did that so it's interesting this is the first time that i have felt like oh we're like seeing this big broadway show so right and and also having being open to talking about these conversations that um that that you might not find in a typical traditional musical um we also talk about when i'm working with my students on um all of the possibilities that are out there for them right um and i have several students who who drag for them drag is their ministry who for them um the idea of drag as um an artistic practice or ministry is is real and is um and is also not necessarily represented um, in the way that you would think. Like you think, oh, this is something that you see all the time. It's like, actually it isn't. Like, um, and, and we at University of the Arts just did a, a um, we had a, a I should, best way to put it is like school sanctioned drag show, but it, it actually was a part of our season um, and something that was student directed, student produced. Um, but I've never seen, um, a room lift like that. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen um, um, students just feel like shoulders back and down, completely like ready and open for um, whatever they were about to see. And and it it legitimized the idea of drag for me. Like, oh yes, this is this is real. And and something that in a training institution is something that we should consider. Like, why not have a uh, a drag show um if that's something that your students are are responding to listening to hearing um being subversive in and finding some sort of release inside of um so to me i i understand the the controversy and can and can truly say that i think that it's um i think that what we experienced on that evening was a great time and um and was done with as jay said um respect um you know anything with respect is, mm-hmm. is the goal um and i will say it's possible that previous iterations um previous shows that also featured drag maybe didn't were not as respectful right mm-hmm. in in their portrayals of um so right yeah this is it yeah. We we've suddenly become a um a show reviewing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and I got I got obviously I wanted to talk about take me out when I uh, said earlier because that was what I saw right after you had left and um I loved it so much Kikau. It I don't know if you've ever read the play or seen it before. Um, I read it in grad school. It's been one of my favorite plays on paper for forever um and i've never seen it on stage and this production was absolutely superb um it was 
everything I could have hoped for and more. I mean, it hits a sweet spot for me in that it's um, it's theater, it's about baseball, and it's about um, inclusivity and LGBTQ plus issues. And that's like, every, you know, so much of what I love and care about. Um, you know, Jesse Tyler Ferguson won the Tony Award and was great, but Jesse Williams, I thought, was out of this world. Um, and, and that role was written for, for him. I mean, it felt like it, um, so that's what I saw at the Saturday matinee while Jamie was at the Saturday matinee of a strange loop and saw Michael R. Jackson go on as Usher, which is just amazing. Um, so the other shows that I saw, we saw six again, I'd seen it once before. I love it. I will, I'm sure see it many, many times. Um, and, uh, I saw almost famous, which, uh, I, I didn't really like very much, but I just, that show kind of felt like it lacked identity. It didn't quite know what it wanted to be. Um, so anyway, it was a great, but I, was- but I love it. Look at the gamut of, of shows, of, of musicals, of plays, um, of, of pieces that are, were on their way out, right. All these shows that just closed Beetlejuice, yeah. uh, and, and, um, almost famous and then shows that are new and will be here. So like, if anything, our, our, little mini commercial is um if you're planning a trip to new york um to uh reach out and ask us what we think of the shows that we thought yeah and- for sure um the uh uh in this spring i feel like you know we got to see a lot of stuff but there's so many cool things that are opening this spring this revival of sweeney um the uh i mean i'm a little intrigued in bad cinderella now because the marketing is is hooking me not to mention they were in the rehearsal room next door so now i now i feel like i'm part of the cast um <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean I, 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 my only thing is I wish that we could have seen Merrily. Uh, if I had, I wish that I had been faster on the day that tickets went on sale and I could have gotten us tickets to see that. Cause that, that sounds like it's phenomenal. Yeah. I have purchased tickets for parade. <gasps> oh, you did. I Didn't did. It? Like it, they shut just down. announced it. Yeah. They just yeah. announced it yesterday and I just opened my phone and bought them. So I heard that it like shut. It's not Ticketmaster. It's the other one, right? Ticket. Wait, what is it? Yes. Is <laughs> um, no, it's not Ticketmaster. It's oh, geez, we got to cut this part out because I don't remember. <laughs> but it is. No, we are so late. I... But it like shut down the service. It was like Taylor Swift esque. Yeah. Oh, this, this is so funny. What is that called? <laughs> well, we'll get to it. Yeah. But yes, whatever that is. Shut. Yeah, it was slow. I had to wait in a line to get them. So. Yeah. Um. Well, that's cool. So, when are you going up to see that? Uh, in it, I'm gonna go up with our students doing the oh. showcase, oh, and cool. then we'll be yeah. seeing it like the next day. Yeah. So um, March, mid March. Good for you. And are you interested in Sweeney? Because that's the one that I just really want to. See. Yeah, I mean, they announced that cast. The I cannot believe the number. You know, thirty-five number orchestra. 30 member cast like we're we're doing it so whatever that is going to be is going to be an experience um yeah. alex lackamore um tommy kale like yes all of it all of it and i think annalee ashford is going to be a different and very interesting um mm-hmm. uh love it um yeah so that's yeah so i so, have to say i mean i know that we've turned the corner on it but i do want to say like what was your favorite um, presentation at the conference or, or even maybe big takeaway. Like if you were to take something away, um, what would it be? 
Um, hmm. So I have a couple of takeaways. First of all, uh, every program should be, according to the casting directors, every program should be doing a virtual component to their sh showcase. Uh, telecharge. It was telecharge. Telecharge yes, was what you got it. <laughs> As I'm Googling, um, everybody should be doing a virtual showcase, period, full stop. Um, I, at the same time, I, a takeaway for me was how important it is to get together as musical theater teachers, um, often to be inspired and to create community. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I missed that, um, and making friends and, and, and just, like I said, creating a network to, to support one another, um, as always, I was inspired. Uh, and um, also, you know, I don't know how to say it other than I, I, MTEA has has seen a lot of growth in the last three years. And I'm really proud as people on the outgoing executive committee, I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of a a really important chapter in in the history of MTEA, and and I'm proud of the organization. I'm proud of the organization that we were, but I'm even prouder of who we are today and who we are becoming. And I'm excited about its future. So, um, I mean, those are three big takeaways. What about you? I think those are those are amazing. Um, I would say I agree about the community aspect. Um, I think for so long we were separate or or on Zoom and it's like there is actually was nothing there's nothing that can compare to meeting somebody at the coffee uh table or or um you know I had the opportunity to spend some time with um Jermaine Hill who is the interim dean at Boston Conservatory and I was like oh, wow. I'm an interim dean like I was like let's we need to talk about being interim deans isn't that crazy um and um so it's it's moments like that that I'm like I didn't even realize this someone else was having a pretty similar experience and yeah. had a, a similar you know conservatory style uh space and um and it was just nice to have that moment um I'll also say that you know we had lots of presentations and panels but that the theme even though we 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 put a big umbrella here's the big theme um it was a lot of similar conversations but through different lenses right here's the inclusive and diversity conversation inclusivity and diversity conversation through recruitment um or retention here's the conversation um through um of black music and musical theater and anti-racist musical direction like i'm like so totally different topics, but also like we're looking at it with that base layer of doing everything we possibly can to be um, as inclusive as possible and um, as anti-racist as possible. So to me, this was just like every single, I was getting something out of every single moment um, through the day and and also share the same feelings that you have, right? I, I've, I've served on the board in some form or fashion for the last six years, um, being mm -hmm. a regional uh, director being an at-large member and then finally the final formation is vice president of conferences and um that even that has been a progression um i only was able to pull this together with the knowledge that i had over these six years of 
knowing what it's like to attend an in-person, um, doing everything in my power to learn about um, how something is filmed and kind of coming up with that. And then um, having my finger on the pulse and, and ability to read a room and know when it's time to shift, when it's time to play music, when it's time for everyone to stand up and um, kind of inspire the room in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to mention in as many public spaces as possible, um, Rose Van Dyne, who's the administrative assistant for MTEA, could not have done this without her, entirely without her at the selection committee when it came to the different um, uh, panels and, and uh, presentations. And then uh, folks like Charles King, who filmed for us, um, Andrew Brought Lewis, who is uh, essentially attended the conference, but I forced to sit and push buttons and make mm-hmm. things happen. Um, and then uh, Leo Yuning Chang, who um, always was willing to run around with a microphone in his hand. And Jessica Humphrey, who was going to be the next uh, vice president of conferences along with Lauren Houghton Gillis. So uh, to me, that was a fun part of the conference too, where something would be happening. And then I would just whisper in her ear, like, hey, here's how this happened. Like, I know we're going to have some sort of post-production meeting when it comes to the conferences, but I, I just wanted to be like, hey, in real time, make sure you have um, extension cords because <laughs> it, it needs to happen. Like, she might not remember that, but I'm like, I'm planting a seed because I want yeah. this to be successful the next time uh, we're in a situation like this. Yeah. Well, I thought it was great. I I am so proud of the whole team and, you know, the, all the people that you mentioned were integral uh, and uh, others. And the next executive committee is being handed the baton and I can't wait to see what they come up with uh, in terms of what we're doing moving forward. I'm hearing whispers of some sort of London thing. So we'll see what happens there. Fingers crossed. I don't know how I'd pay for that, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> but it's time. It's time. Even during my time, if we had not, if it had not been a Zoom situation, right? They used to go every other year, yeah. so or go do something internationally. We are an yeah. international organization, so even if it's a trip to Canada, we should do it, right? Like <laughs> there, we we need we need to to actually satisfy um, that aspect of yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. It was so nice to see you. And I hope that it's not um, another three years before I'm in the same room <laughs> as you again. Jesus, I hope not. Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit joshuahaigmusic.com.